0: Uh, Hello, listeners. Um, This is Dr. Franklin Roush from the Leonard University History and Philosophy uh, Department podcast, and I'm happy to say we have um, Miss Anna Legron as our guest today, coming to us from Preservation South Carolina and the Abbeville Historic Properties Protection Commission. Uh, Hi, Anna.
1: Hey, how are you doing, Dr. Roush? Thank you so much for having me on. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for
0: for joining us today. Sure. So just to just dive right in, so can you tell us about what is Preservation South Carolina?
1: So Preservation South Carolina is a nonprofit that focuses on the preservation and the restoration of endangered historic structures across the state. Um, They've been in operation since 1990, and so they've played a huge role in protecting South Carolina's architectural heritage. You know, this is the only statewide preservation initiative we really have in South Carolina, so They've been instrumental with projects like the Newry Mill, the Cabins on Defusky, the Pottersville House, the Edgefield Hotel, and now Trinity Church. So our current leader um, that I've, I've really enjoyed working with is Mike Biedenbaugh, and he's just as passionate about history as I am.
0: Oh, excellent. Excellent. And so do you get most of your funding then from the state, from private donors? Is there an endowment?
1: Um, not. It is not state funded. Um, we do get some grants. Uh, most of what we do, we have a revolving fund. So if we have a historic building that we've restored, we'll treat it as real estate, we'll we'll sell it, and then that money will get used for another project and then so on. You know, of course, okay. we also we also certainly get money from private donors. I mean, we could not do that without them.
0: Right. Excellent. Excellent. And so I think you were brought on specifically, um, or to begin with, to work on this thing called the Restore Trinity Campaign. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I would love to. Um, there's, there's so much to say. Um, the Restore Trinity campaign is under the umbrella of Preservation South Carolina. Um, it's within its Sacred Spaces initiative. And this is just a program that focuses specifically on the restoration of our historic churches across the state, which, you know, they're such important parts of a community's history, but they're often kind of at risk of being forgotten. Uh, and Trinity Church kind of falls under that category. You know, it's this stunning example of Gothic revival architecture, and it's been a cornerstone of downtown Abbeville, you know, since its consecration right before the Civil War. But you know, as I'm sure you know, maintaining such a structure takes time, it takes money, and it takes lots of effort. And especially in a rural community like Abbeville, I mean, that can be hard. Um, Three years ago, the church was shut down completely because of safety concerns regarding the stability of its steeple. And then shortly after that, um, Preservation South Carolina and Sacred Spaces stepped up to tackle what is admittedly a massive project. Um, you know, this is a church that's been a part of Abbeville during the Civil War, during Reconstruction, during both World Wars, during the Great Depression, and to see such an important part of this town's history as well as such an important architectural piece, you fall into disrepair would have just been unthinkable. <laughs>
0: Right, right. Yeah, and I'm sorry, You, the, we kind of last audio for a second there. As soon as you said completely, and then we had a several-second blank, and then you talked about how the it had been brought in. Can you maybe fill in that blank?
1: Sure. Um, three years ago, the church was shut down completely, and that was just because of safety concerns regarding the stability of its steeple. And then shortly after that, Preservation South Carolina and Sacred Spaces stepped up to just tackle this massive project.
0: Oh, excellent. And how are things with the steeple?
1: It is stable now. It is not completely restored. And we, you know, we can definitely touch on that. Um, The complete restoration of the steeple is going to be part of phase two of this project. This is a multi-phase project. It's going to ultimately probably cost three million dollars. But the steeple right now is stable. It's, you know, it's been anchored down, but ultimately we will have to fix the cribbing and completely restore the steeple itself.
0: Okay, so lots of work there. I did see a video when I was doing research for this about how they got the steeple up, you know, stabilized. That was great.
1: Oh, my goodness, yes. That was a big day.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) What were you doing? I mean, I know with COVID-19, everything's so complex. What were you doing then? Because I I saw the video of, I think, the head, but I, I didn't see you.
1: Oh, I was probably lurking somewhere on the ground floor. The reality is I'm kind of scared of heights. So Mike Biedenbaugh is the one who climbs up into the steeple and takes all the videos from up there. I have been up into the steeple, but, you know, looking down over the town is a, a little daunting, <laughs> but no, yeah, I,
0: I'm sorry, go ahead. I don't, I was going to say, I understand. I do not like heights.
1: No, that is not my thing. So, so I, I prefer so. to remain on ground level, but I mean, this church is just, it's such a perfect example of American neo-Gothic architecture. And that was a movement that was especially popular you're within the Episcopalian Church in the early to mid 1800s, and it's just amazing to me that we have this beautiful example of this architectural style right here in rural Abbeville. Right, there's so much architectural history that we could talk about here as well, and it just it, it is so deserving of being restored and preserved.
0: Well, how do you think that will impact the local community when you're when the work is finished?
1: Oh, it will impact it tremendously. I mean, everyone I think that comes into Abbeville you know, part of what they're doing is wanting to see the pink church is what people call it. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I remember moving to Abbeville from Charleston as an 11 year old and just being so in awe of this beautiful pink church that looked like a medieval castle to my young eyes, you know?
0: (laughs) I mean, yeah, it it looks impressive. It's a neat looking building. It's funny, because, you know, my specialty is Catholicism in Korea. And of course, that's, Korean churches look, Catholic churches look like, the older ones, because it's, there's it these French priests, and they were into the Neo-Gothic.
1: Well, and that's, you know, this this church was designed by the architect George Walker of Columbia, and he also worked on our state capitol building, but, you know, this, this Neo-Gothic style was very much something that he was interested in. But then also, this church has, you know, a large collection of very rare stained glass windows. Some of them are by William Gibson, that I'm sure you know is the father of stained glass painting in America, We've also got a window from JNR Lamb Studios and that's another famed artisan. Um, Trinity is also the home of one of only two John Baker tracker organs that we know of that's still in existence at all And so part of the restoration project is going to include fixing that organ as well.
0: right yeah I saw that on the, the website and it's really a, a really cool structure. Um, I mean, it's just gorgeous. That stained glass, like you mentioned, the organs really cool. Um, again, I have to bring up Korea because I remember the Protestant mission first brought in organs, and it just the Koreans were just amazed at this because they didn't have a musical instrument like it. It's so complex and makes such neat noises.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that is just an instrument that the sound of which can just really fill the whole space. I mean, being inside the church, listening to the organ play, it is just an amazing feeling.
0: And just so we're clear, we're clear, right. This is a living congregation, isn't it? I mean, there is a group of Anglicans. Yes, that yes, absolutely. From.
1: Yes. We st- there. The um, Trinity Episcopal Church does still have a congregation. You know, they haven't been able up until fairly recently. They have not been able to actually meet in the church. Um, but, but it's a small congregation, but still a very active one. Uh,
0: excellent. And so we've talked a little bit about this, this campaign. Um, and I, I'd like to, to kind of shift a little bit to talk a little bit more about your role in it and your role at Preservation South Carolina.
1: Uh absolutely. So I was hired as an independent contractor just to help evaluate, plan, and then market a way for Trinity Church to become self-sustaining and, and a center for the community. So what we've done, in addition to the historic preservation side of things, is develop a business model that includes educational and cultural events to bring the community together but it's also going to be income producing to help preserve and restore not just this sacred space but but others across South Carolina. So we've created a wedding and event program that's open to everyone um, as well as created lesson plans that adhere to state social social studies standards that relate trinity to both state and national history and You know, we were planning on launching this in the fall, but then COVID happened.
0: (laughs) Right, right,
1: So once COVID is over, you know, I'm looking forward to having field trips, lessons, concerts and other things like that at Trinity so that, yes, it's restored, but then there's a plan in place for it. It's never going to go back to being dilapidated or not taken care of because there will be a steady stream of income and events that are taking place. uh,
0: Uh,
1: uh, 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 Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. You're part of that too, though, is I'm actually the only staffer that's based in Abbeville. So I've worked closely with our contractors, our construction crews, in addition to the restoration experts, just kind of managing day to day events here, ensuring that architectural guidelines are followed, scheduling meetings, working with donors, collaborating with city and county officials, um, you know, just to make sure that zoning and code regulations are met. I mean, that that's really been when very interesting to me is, you know, everything that does behind the scenes. It's not just restoring the church. You have to be up to code. You have to be sure that you that you're zoned properly. And so a lot of that is working with the city and county as well.
0: Right. Excellent. So you've really seen all the practical issues of of historic preservation.
1: So much goes into it. I mean, it's, it's really amazing.
0: Right. So, um. And what exactly, I mean, we talked a little bit about this, about this in your, what exactly is your position?
1: Uh, Sacred Spaces Program Coordinator is technically what I am, but what what that essentially is for Trinity, this is again, something that's kind of new and that we were just trying to start this year that we were hoping would really be a a good moneymaker for the church, but then COVID happened. So that's kind of put a halt on it, but just essentially I'm just someone that, I guess you could say as a project manager on site here in Abbeville just to help the day to day events go smoothly. But then I'm also planning events and planning weddings and things that we can do at Trinity to ensure that it's self-sustaining.
0: Oh, excellent. I mean, that must take a lot of balance because like we said, this is a, you know, in a sense Trinity has a public aspect to it. Like you said, you're going to have field trips yeah, the teaching, uh, open for, for, um, Uh, meetings, or weddings, there we are, but at the same time, I mean, it's a living religious community.
1: Absolutely, and that is, you know, we want to be very respectful of the congregation, we want them to be included and involved as much as they want to be, but it is, you know, it is kind of a balancing act, because you do want there to be a plan in place for the future of this church, so that, you know, in a hundred years, it is still here. Right, right. And so well, we've, we've gotten great oh, feedback. Go we've gotten great feedback from the community, feedback from the congregation. So it's it's really been a good process.
0: Oh, wonderful! I, I know some. I know that a lot of students who listen to this are gonna are gonna be interested in historic preservation. Could, <laughs> so, you know but how did you get this position?
1: Well, it, it's funny actually. Um, a former boss of mine actually recommended me to Mike Biedenbaugh, who's the executive director of Preservation South Carolina. Uh, and she thought that I would be a good fit for this position because of my experience working in administration and in marketing, but also because she knew, yeah, I'm a history nerd. <laughs> I mean, we all know that. <laughs> um, so she knew I was a history nerd, but she also knew that I was the vice chair of the Historic Properties Protection Commission here in Abbeville. And so I- I'm very grateful for her recommendation because, you know, of course I jumped at the chance. You know, this is—I knew if I could be a part of saving this church, then then I'd love to do it no matter what.
0: Oh, excellent! I think this—you know—I often tell students that you know there's a saying: it's it's not just what you know; it's who you know, and that doesn't <laughs> the point is that you people need to know you and know that you know. It's like, oh yeah, uh, Anna, she's going to do good work. We know that she's dependable.
1: Oh, so make a good name for yourself, absolutely. Oh yeah,
0: right. So, what is your favorite part about this position?
1: Oh, you know, my, my favorite part is knowing that once this church is completely restored it will be able to help Abbeville prosper, you know, both as a tourist attraction, but also something that, you know, we can use for educational purposes and to serve cultural purpose. You know, I love the architecture itself, and it may sound weird, but I actually really love Trinity's uh, cemetery. (laughs) There's just a peacefulness to the church and a peacefulness to its grounds that I I love the idea that once this church is completed, everyone can come in and enjoy this sacred space and feel welcome here and learn from it.
0: Oh, excellent. Um, no, I remember it was really weird. When I went to Indiana University, there was the old church next to one of the largest um, lecture, lecture what can I say, classroom buildings. It was like a 20-story mm-hmm. or something crazy like that. And there was a little tiny chapel. And then there was this like 100-year-old graveyard. I remember we would sometimes visit that.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, there's so much history that's tied into so many of these old buildings that, you know, Once certain members of the congregation are gone. I mean, that history is lost, and that's where we step in and try to fill that gap and fill that need. Um, just kind of speaking of the congregation, um, you know, we were helped tremendously by all of the meticulous research that was done by the late, great May Hutchinson. Um, she served as as church historian essentially, and just having her work as a reference point has just been such a blessing. Um, she did pass away several months ago, and I hate that she didn't see the finished project here. But her research and just the wealth of knowledge on this church's history has has really been invaluable, just helping us determine things like what the original design on the chancel ceiling was supposed to be, what colors were meant to be used, you know, what paint here, et cetera.
0: And that, that almost sounds like a kind of transition into a oral history of, of um, Trinity.
1: Yes. Well, having that oral history and having it translate into, you know, something that's written and having that as a record is is. So much of her stuff has been written down and I'm so thankful for oh, very that good. because, I mean, that, that's the scary part with so many of these, these historic structures is not only are they in danger of being physically lost, but the history behind them, especially if it is something that is within the oral tradition, you know, once it's gone, it's gone. <laughs> you can't get that back. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. So for um, people who would like to have a position like what you have, what would you recommend that they do?
1: Um, The biggest thing to me is just get involved in your community, you know, recognize, recognize where there is a need, you know, join your chapter of the Historical Society Network, volunteer, just make your interest known. I mean, for me in particular, you know, I, I came on board here as an independent contractor. And then now that we've gotten this program established and this project well on the way, you know, my, my hours Our volunteer hours, but then I also get commission, for instance, if we have a wedding there. And I'm happy to say we did have our first wedding on October the 24th. It was wonderful having that sanctuary opened. It was wonderful having the wedding in there. And then that Sunday, the congregation was able to come and worship within that sanctuary for the first time in years. And that's just, it's such a wonderful feeling.
0: Oh, excellent. Excellent. I wonder if that will do something to help keep people's morale up during this difficult time.
1: I think the whole town has has really been wonderful, wonderfully patient as well. And, you know, (laughs) this this is a project that, you know, it's going to take several years and it's going to take a lot of money. But I I really do think that if we come together as a community, you know, we, we can make this work.
0: Oh, excellent! Well, and you know, when we talked before this interview, you said you, if possible, you'd like to talk a little bit about the um, Abbeville Historic Properties Protection Commission, which you, I think, you said you're the vice chairperson of.
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, that is a position that. Let's see. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can oh. hear you. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if my microphone just cut out there or what.
0: Uh, oh, no, I can hear you. I've been hearing you the whole time.
1: Oh, okay. So something on my end then. Yeah. Um. So the historic properties protection commission Um. I was appointed to, it's a city, it's a, a board for the city of Abbeville. And I was appointed to that in March, 2019. And what we do is just help preserve the historic nature of the town. But we also give advice to businesses and city administration, you know, on proposals regarding the existing structures, landscapes, and new construction, just providing information on preservation, restoration and local history. But that was kind of how I got my foot in the door in the historic preservation community. And again, it is kind of who you know definitely helps, but someone appointed me to the city council, recommended me to city council, and city council put me on the board. And then I was actually elected vice chair by the board. So that's been a really interesting experience as well.
0: And what sort of duties does that entail?
1: You know, we, we have, for instance, let's say someone, some of our buildings on the Abbeyville Square or on the National Registry, let's say someone wanted to make major facade changes to that building. They would come and present to us and make, make the case for the changes that they wanted to make. We would determine if that falls within, you know, accepted guidelines, and we would let them know what they can do, what they can't do, and how we can help.
0: Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Part of that regulation, keeping things, I think you said that earlier, there's a balance like keeping things historical versus keeping them up to code.
1: Yes. And, you know, again, that is, it's a fine balance, but it is one that we have to maintain.
0: We want to maintain the history while being safe.
1: Yes, very much so. And, you know, we did just get our CO, our Certificate of Occupancy for Trinity Church. So, it is safe, it is open. If anyone that you know that you're teaching might be interested in seeing the church i mean i'm I'm happy to show it to them. I mean if they're at all interested. oh,
0: very good, well, like I say, I plan on assigning this as part of um at least one of my public history classes, and so they'll be hearing that, but i'm and I'm also going to include some of the videos, so I'm sure we're going to have some people take you up on that offer.
1: No, that would be wonderful. I mean, as I said, we just completed phase one of the restoration. You know, that involved things like stabilizing the steeple, repairing the roof, putting in HVAC, doing electrical work, and just fixing the enormous amount of water damage that had really oh, no. the interior of the church. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, so dreadful. I've oh, always I, I've always freaked out about water.
1: Yeah. So this, I, I mean, we demoed out all of the damaged plaster right down to the original layer of the handmade bricks. <laughs> and we've put down all new plaster, we've rescored the plaster and we've repainted the entire west wall um, with materials that are in keeping with what would have been used in the late 1850s. So anyone who wants to come and is interested in coming, there's so much that we could discuss if they're interested. Oh, excellent. <laughs>
0: Hopefully we'll be able to set that up sometime.
1: Well, that would be wonderful, yeah. Good deal. Well, and
0: is there anything you'd like to add or we'll?
1: Uh, If anyone is interested in following our progress or even if they're interested in donating, um, they can go to www.RestoreTrinity.org and just follow along with what we're doing and, you know, get on our mailing list. And that's also just a good way to stay informed about what is going on in the historic preservation community. But you know, you. I, I want to thank you again for, for having me on this podcast to speak at all. And, you know, I, I could not have done this without the support of people in my community. But then also the professors that I had at Lander. And, you know, I can't I can't praise them enough for how supportive they've been and how much I learned, you know, in the Lander history department and the English department. Because, again, I'm a nerd. I have an English degree, too. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you so much for your kind words. You know, we always enjoyed having you as a student. Hopefully, when, when again, when COVID-19 gets a little bit under control, we can have you come by and visit sometime, maybe give a guest talk or something. That would well, be, be
1: wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Rauch. Right.
0: Thank you, Anna. You take care.
1: All right. Take care. You have a wonderful day. You too.